Welcome once again to the YEGMS podcast. The YEGMS podcast is available online on the MS&Me radio network and also available on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher radio. Before we get to this week's podcast, I wanted to take some time to mention MS Buddy. MS Buddy is an app that connects people living with MS, keeping them updated with the latest MS news and research. Whether someone is newly diagnosed or has been living with MS for years, MS Buddy is a tool for finding support and advice within Healthline's growing social community. Well, how does it work? Well, each day, buddies receive a new match at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Users then chat about anything from their jobs to their families to treatment. The purpose of MS Buddy is to help people feel like they are not alone in their battle with MS. MS Buddy is free for both Android and iPhone users and available on the Google Play Store and on the iTunes Store. Download MS Buddy today. So welcome back. Uh, this episode is going to be the first part of another two-parter. The question I am most frequently asked uh, in my personal life from other MSers and from doing this podcast and, and having my blog is surrounding ep- exercise and more specifically to me, Sean, how in the hell did you run 80 kilometers in a day as a person with MS? And I wish I could give a really straightforward and easy answer to that, but I, it's not as simple as just saying, you know, follow this program. So how I'm going to structure this is this episode is going to be revolving around sort of my personal journey with exercise as it relates to my disease. And then episode two, or the second part of this, uh, the second part of this set, will involve some current research around exercise and people living with MS. So some background on me. I was always involved in sport as a child. Uh, my main sport was ice hockey. I'm a Canadian kid and played hockey from the time. Well, I'll put it this way. I don't remember not having hockey equipment. My, I was playing hockey before my earliest memories. And that was always active. And in, 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 in the spring and summer and fall, uh, there was always things like soccer, softball, mountain biking, water skiing. There was always activity around me. So, and then in my, as I got into my teenage years, I started weightlifting. And I did that for a number of years. And, and that continued into my early 20s. Right about the time between grades 11 and 12, age 15 to age 16, that's when I really started gaining weight. And initially I was active enough that it balanced itself out reasonably well. Um, but as I got older and went into my, tw- into my mid-20s and late-20s, it went from carrying a few extra pounds to, for it to be more of a problem. And as my 20s wore on, I was working in the hospitality, restu- uh, in hospitality industry. Uh, I had a partnership stake in a restaurant, and then I owned a cafe all on my own. And my lifestyle during that point in time was far from healthy. Uh, I was very inactive. Uh, I was smoking, uh, drinking heavily, and generally just not taking care of myself. Now, to give you some sort of range, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just over five foot eleven, uh, just a little bit under six feet. And at one point in my late twenties, I would have hit 
about 265, 270 pounds, somewhere in there, which just wasn't good. So my big attack, which led to my diagnosis, happened on Remembrance Day 2006, which is just over a month past my 30th birthday, which for a lot of us, that seems to be the window, right? Like early 30s seems to be, late 20s, early 30s seems to be the, the sweet spot for a lot of uh, MS warriors for when they're going to get diagnosed. And the attack that happened on Remembrance Day knocked me out pretty good. Uh, I couldn't use one eye. I mean, I, you know, it's easier just to say I was blind in one eye, but that's not necessarily true. What happened was I actually couldn't control my eye, so it wouldn't track with the other one. So it just looked in any direction it wanted to. So I had to wear an eye patch because it was very disorienting, and that made me very, obviously, it made me nauseous. Uh, I lost a ton of my balance. My entire uh, right side went numb. And to be honest with you, I, I couldn't really do anything. Um, let alone, you know, at the time, I had my own place that I was paying a mortgage for. Uh, but when my parents saw the condition I was in, they, they very strongly recommended that, uh, you know, I come stay with them until things got better. So I stayed with them for a few months. And this is really where the exercise as it, as it relates to my disease started because not being able to see I couldn't read I couldn't uh, watch TV and I really couldn't move around that well on my own so really I just laid on the couch all day and I would listen I would always try and find a program on TV that I knew and I remember that a lot of times I would watch a lot of Seinfeld because I could picture the episodes in my head while I was listening to the dialogue and it was just enough to keep me sane. My mom uh, would come home from work and she could tell I was going crazy, uh, being cooped up in the house all day. So when she would get home, she would get changed and then she'd come and get me and we'd go for a walk around the block. And it was literally just around the block. I mean, we wouldn't have even, you know, we probably walked the length of four or five football fields in total. But it would take a long time because she would have to hold me by the arm because I would sort of list left and right and left and right. And she didn't want me walking out in a traffic by accident or falling down. And just to walk that short distance, it would take a good half hour to 45 minutes. But one thing I noticed on those walks, and you have to picture, this is in the middle of the wintertime in northern Alberta, Canada. I mean, it's snow blowing and snow drifts, and, you know, it's probably minus 20. But even so, I really enjoyed, I mean, it was the thing I looked forward to during the day the most. Mom got home, and I felt like literally that I was a, like, a, you know, like, a, a, like a dog waiting to be walked because when you just have nothing else to do all day and you can't really do anything, I couldn't use a computer, I couldn't, you know. And I noticed when I was walking that I felt a lot better. So fast forward a few months, and we go into the spring, and I was able to move back home. I wasn't able to go back to work yet, but I was able to move back home and live on my own. And so this would have been late February into March, uh, time frame and I used to live across the street from the Sturgeon River in St. Albert, Alberta and there's some nice paved trails around there that the city would make sure were, were, were shoveled and uh, 
And I wasn't able to go back to work, but I didn't really want to stay at home by myself. So I would spend a few hours every day just walking up and down the river. And as the snow started to melt and the green grass came up and things, you know, started being in bloom, um, I would continue on my daily walks, and this is roughly about the same time I started working again. There were pedestrian bridges that went across this river, and these two in particular that I, that I used sort of as markers uh, were about half a kilometer apart. As I would walk, I would try running for short bursts. Now, picture, I mean, again, I'm, I'm 265, 270 pounds, somewhere in that neighborhood. And I couldn't run very far before, you know, I was wheezing really badly. And, you know, and this was not MS-related why I couldn't run. It had to do with being severely out of shape and not taking care of myself for, for a number of years. But I put a goal in my head that I wanted to be able to run one lap between these two bridges. So go down one side of the river, across the bridge, down back down the other side of the river and across the bridge. And it was roughly about a kilometer, which now seems very ridiculous considering, you know, at least once or twice a year, I'm running distances over 50 kilometers and I've done, you know, over 80 kilometers uh, twice now. So just to give you kind of a perspective, that was almost 11 years ago that I couldn't run a kilometer without stopping. But what I noticed when I was running is the first 10 minutes were pretty rough, but as adrenaline start, started to kick in and as, uh, you know, the heart got pumping and I got deep into thought about other things, the, the MS symptoms seemed to abate for a while and they seemed to subside. Just for those brief periods of the day, I didn't feel like a per person living with a disease. So that became addictive, you know, because when you would get home and the numbness would come back on the right side and you're having drop foot and you're feeling the fatigue and, uh, you know, all the other issues that you experience when you have relapsing remitting MS like I do. It was almost like I can't look for, I, I, I just would start to look forward to the next day so I could go running for, I mean, less than 20 minutes. But just those brief periods in the day were enough to, to, to make me feel like, okay, this might be all right. But at that time, I never had any grand plans of running ultra marathons, anything like that. So that's the spring of 2007. And I continued. You know, to, I got to the point where I could run that full kilometer without stopping. So, and there's more pedestrian bridges, so I just started branching out. Then I would try and go to the next one, crossover, and maybe run, try and run two kilometers without stopping. Then my first goal was to be able to run a 5K. That was my first goal, just to see if I can get up to the point where I can run a five, about five kilometers without stopping. So this continues throughout the summer of 2007, and at some point, I think it was near, near the fall, I could finally run five kilometers without stopping. And, uh, you know, my body started changing a little bit, but not a ton, because I wasn't really addressing diet. I mean, I'd started with some paleo stuff at the time, if I remember correctly. Um, but if you listen to the, 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 the diet episodes previous to this, it's been a lot of experiment over the time. And, and, and part of it was, I had that thing that I hear from, 
hear from a lot of MSers where I would say, you know what, I've given up enough, I'm not giving up pizza. I've given up enough, I'm not giving up beer. I'm, you know, and what those become, and what I've realized what those become, is those are self, those are, those are limiting beliefs that I'm placing on myself. But those limiting beliefs give me an excuse to, to have a behavior that's not conducive to what I'm trying to achieve. You know, so by refusing to really, really look at diet and really, really start eating in a positive fashion that would help the running, I had running on one side and all the other stupid stuff I was doing on the other side. But it is what it is. And I think everybody has limiting beliefs in, in anything that they do. And one of the things I've had to face over the last, just this immediate past year, is facing some of the limiting beliefs I was having. For example, you know, I'm able to run ultra marathons now, but I'm still carrying extra weight. My limiting belief there was, well, it must be genetic. But if I, but when I really challenged myself on that and looked at the composition of my diet, eh, it's not all genetic. I had just given up on trying to find an optimum way to to, to eat, and I have, I think I've found that now. Um, my pant sizes continue to go down, so. But I, it, it took a lot of experiment because, as I've mentioned in the diet episodes, trying to find that ideal diet for you is going to be different for me and it's going to be different for the next person. So, that, so anyway, I got to be able to run 5K, and then I thought, let's see if I can run 10 without stopping. So I got up to, you know, again, so now we're going into 2008, and that was the goal. I got up to running, being able to run 10 kilometers without stopping. But once I got to 10K, I thought... You know, I started looking into, like, how far is a marathon? How far is half a marathon? And as it turns out, half a marathon is roughly 21. So I set my sights to run a half marathon. And for me, initially, that was the end goal. I thought, and, and this created a limiting belief, because I thought, you know, if I can run a half marathon, good enough. That's an achievement. That's something I can do. That's attainable. And that should be something that's attainable as a person living with a chronic condition. So in the spring of 2009, I ran my first half marathon in Red Deer, Alberta. I finished in two hours and eight minutes, which is a respectable time for a weekend warrior type. And I thought, well, there you go. I've run a half marathon, and all is good. And what I realized is that that was so far from the end. Funny side note about their half marathon in Red Deer. I had to fly to Denver the same day. So I'm in Red Deer. The, the, the marathon, I think, started at 8 in the morning, so I was across the finish line, you know, right, right around 10. And then we had to drive back from Red Deer to Edmonton. And on the way, the Edmonton airport's on the way. It's on the highway. So I sit in the car for an hour and a bit to get to the airport, go through security. Then I have to sit on a plane for about two and a half hours for the flight. Well, of course, this is the, this is the first distance of any real length that I'd ever run. And I really wasn't thinking, because when we hit, when we landed in Denver, I couldn't get out of my seat, my legs had seized. And of course, I'm on an aisle seat, so the two people who see me have to climb over me, and then the, then the flight attendants had to come, and they were like, what, are you, are you okay? And I said, I'm fine, but I explained to them, I just ran a marathon this morning, and it was my first one ever, and my legs have seized up, so they had to <laughs> help pry me out of the chair. And once I started walking, my legs loosened up, but it was painful uh, getting to the, the taxi in the hotel. So, recommendation, if you ever get to the point where you're going to run a half marathon, don't, go, don't get on a plane right after. It's, 
Not a good plan. So I finished that marathon. I ran another half a year later. I've run, I, ran, I ran another two in the next half marathons in the next year or so. Then I got married, put on some weight again, wasn't running as much, started feeling awful, like really awful. But then I realized there's a direct correlation for me not feeling very well and me not exercising. And it doesn't necessarily have to be running. It could be lifting weights, riding a stationary bike, even walking. I mean, any, anything that is exercise for you likely will, will help. It doesn't, I'm not suggesting that people with MS have to run marathons to feel better. That's not what I'm suggesting. I'm suggesting exercise. And, and, and your exercise level is going to be different from mine and is going to be different for the next person. It's just something to get out and get active and, and, and to not feel like a sick person all the time. That's how it was always started for me. So fast forward, my wife and I are in Mexico in 2014, and we're floating around the pool at the resort we are at. And that's when I hatched the scheme for the really long run. I was trying to figure out a way to run, raise more money for my bike team, for the MS, the MS bike. And I thought, well, if I run the first day of the bike tour, that should get some donations. And that was all that was ever thought about it. So then I've done the really long run twice, run, you know, 80 kilometers in a day two times. The first time it took me 11 hours, the second time it took me nine. And I've just continued to run. Like I run 5K almost every day. My belief is, and you'll hear this in the next episode, my belief is it's been helping to keep any progression of the disease at bay. I, yes, I still take medication, which is prescribed by my neurologist. I take Tecfidera. I modified my diet. I use CBD oil, which is cannabis oil, but it doesn't have any THC in it. It's just CBD, which is the anti-inflammatory part of the plant. So I do other, there's other interventions that I, that I utilize to try and keep, to stop the progression. But it's been my belief all along that the exercises help because it helps with your mood. It helps with, you know, weight control. It helps with generally just feeling better. And you've probably heard about the runner's high when, when you come back and the endorphins are released and you feel fantastic. This is my personal belief. There's three pieces to keeping the disease at, be, at bay. Listen to your doctor. Eat healthy. And what, whatever healthy is for you, you know, whatever diet works for you, which takes experimenting, uh, eat healthy and exercise. And again, exercise doesn't have to be running ridiculous distances or anything like that. It just has to be something that is going to get you up and get you moving. So it's a really long, you know, preamble to get to how do you do it? Well, how you do it is you have to decide to do it. And it sounds simple and it sounds stupid, but it's the truth. If you, you have to make the conscious decision that you want to get active. Now, if you've been pretty much sedentary for months and months on end, and you're one of, one, of, one of the members of our community that you know, finds it getting to the bathroom even to be a bit of a struggle. It's about, it's about breaking it down into bite-sized pieces. So I've used this example with other MSers before, and I've told other MS warriors this before, this is nothing, but you have to set realistic short-term goals, which are pieces of a long-term goal. So for you, if the goal is to be able to walk around the block without any help, where do, where do you start? You start by, today, 
I'm going to walk to the end of the driveway and back. And that's it. So once a day for a week, you walk to the end of the driveway and back. And if you're, you know, if you're more able, obviously maybe it's further or whatever. I mean, everybody's at a different level. So if it's not, maybe you want to just try running a short distance or maybe it's a stationary bike, you want to ride it for five minutes. You know, that would be depend on the individual and where they're at. But whatever those small pieces are, I think you see where I'm going with, with my point is just break it into something small. And then once that thing becomes comfortable. So my first example, once getting into the driveway and back is no problem. Now just try and go to the end of the driveway, then hook a right and go four houses down or six houses down or whatever the heck it has to be and back. And once that's comfortable, go further. But each time you start to get a little bit comfortable, then you decide, okay, now I'm going to try and go this much further. And then once you're able to make it all the way around the block, try jogging a little bit maybe. Or if, if, if your balance is such that jogging just isn't going to, you just can't, Maybe try and get some ankle weight or some wrist weight. Uh, maybe running and walking is not your thing. Maybe you have an old stationary bike that you've been hanging clothes off for 10 years and you want to ride that. But always small steps. But in order for you to even start, you have to challenge yourself. And you really have to be critical of yourself and say, okay, what limiting beliefs do I have? Maybe you think, maybe, you, maybe when you really, really or honest when you're with yourself and you look at it, you think, I don't believe as a person with MS I can exercise. Well, I'm here to tell you that's complete horse crap. You can't. There's nothing wrong with your mus muscles. There's nothing wrong with your bones. There's nothing wrong with your tendons. There's nothing wrong with your ligament. What is wrong is you have a misfiring nervous system. That's all it is. The bones, the muscles, the tendons, they're all, they're all good. They're just waiting for you to do something with them. And I think by training and doing regular exercise, you're training your body how to work in the new normal for you. And the new normal is having a misfiring nervous system. So there's nothing, there's no reason physically that you can't do it. But it's overcoming the problems in your nervous system. But you have to believe you can do it. So if you've got a limiting belief that you don't, can't do it, that's something you have to address first because you're never going to get this to stage two, three, four, five, and six if you can't address that limiting belief and change it. You have to want to do it. You have to genuinely want to do it. If you don't want to do it, you won't. If you're not comfortable challenging limiting beliefs you have about you or yourself and your disease, you're not going to do it. But if you can do it, it's rewarding. And it's something that will carry you forward for a very, very long time. So how do you do it? Bite-sized pieces. Combined with you really got to be critical and look at yourself and say, what are my limiting beliefs? Because if you have any limiting beliefs around your disease, exercising, or anything like that, you're never going to be successful. So you have to address it mentally first. And once you've addressed it mentally, then start. I'll close with this. A quick story about a good friend of mine. And I, as I was running, I've been running over the last number of years, He's a really good friend of mine. He's ballooned in weight, so much so that uh, he has to sleep with a sleep apnea mask. No. Well, sleep apnea is caused by fat in your neck. So if you're carrying a lot of fat around your neck, chances are you have sleep apnea. Now, you can get the mask, but why not address the root cause? Why not lose the weight? So I said to him, you know, I run by your house several times a week. 
when I live in the same, same neighborhood, I will schedule my runs so that I do the last little bit and I'll meet you at your house and you can come with me for the last little bit. The answer he gave me, I'm not built to run. That is a limiting belief. Every human being is built to run. You may not like running, that's fair, but there are other, there's other exercises you can do, but until you address that limiting belief and until you accept that you can do it, you won't do it. But believe me, you can. It's just a choice. You choose to do it, and when you make the choice and you believe you can do it, you're going to naturally gravitate to the, to the behaviors that are necessary to achieve what it is that you want to achieve. Probably not the answer people were looking for. You know, they were probably wanting me to give a, well, here's the program you follow, but we're all individuals, and what I do and what you do, like what works for me is not necessarily going to work for you. But I do know if you fix your head and you fix your mental state and you believe and you have the want and the desire to exercise, you can do it. That's how I did it. Now, I love, you know, I hope that this generates some email for me. I love it when listeners email me and, and ask me more questions. So if you have questions about part one, please email me at sean at ownmultiplesclerosis.com. Uh, I will respond, you know, offer any help or assistance or clarifications I can, because I really think that exercise is one of the, you know, one of the three key pillars in, in, in uh, keeping the disease from progressing. So that's this week's episode. Uh, you know, stay tuned for part two, which will come out in just over a week here. Uh, once again, I wanted to mention one more time, MS Buddy from Healthline. Uh, I have downloaded it. It works great. It, it's, it's a neat app. And you get paired up with people from, I mean, the first guy I got paired up with was somebody in, in the United States, which is really cool. I mean, you can share stories and, and it's a way to reach out. And especially if you're one of those people that doesn't want to talk about your disease, it's a heck of a way to reach out because it's, you know, it's just through an app. So hey, that's it for me for this week. Uh, stay tuned for part two of Exercise in Multiple Sclerosis, which will come up in a couple weeks' time. Until next time, have a good one.